As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Well, since Unai Emery took charge in November, Aston Villa have gone from 16th to 6th in the Premier League. Unbeaten in their last eight, They've won five on the spin. So coming up, we'll hear how Emery has done it, how he always seems to find a way to start so well whenever he's in charge, and what Villa can expect to happen next. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. beginning was to scrap of the bottom uh, was very difficult but we did it and uh, now we are realistic objective is uh, to try to to get a top six position and of, of course uh, try to to play in Europe the next year but it's going to be very very difficult So joining us for this one, the Athletics Aston Villa writer Greg Evans, Madrid-based Dermot Corrigan, who interviewed Emery for the Athletic last year, and Art de Roche, who covers Arsenal, one of Emery's former clubs. First things first, Greg, is, it, is this the first time you've been on a podcast uh, with with positive Villa stuff to talk about? <laughs> I thought you were going to say from a hotel room there, Mark, for starters, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, kind of feels that way yeah I mean I've been I've been covering this club for over a decade now and this is definitely the, the most enjoyable part that uh, that I've ever experienced um, they obviously Villa had a great run when they got promoted from the from the championship that was fun to cover as well but look they're, they're, they're on a new level now um, and I think what's more interesting is that the rest of the Premier League are actually getting excited about this club now so okay so let's and everybody has to be honest here right let's go let's go back to when we heard the news that he was being appointed and what your initial thoughts were Dermot go first I wasn't surprised that he was going to the Premier League but I was surprised he was going to a team who at that stage were fighting against relegation and looked like it was a trouble like didn't didn't seem to have a very well balanced squad or I don't watch all the Villa games, but they seem to be struggling under Gerard. So from speaking to Emery last year and just general knowing some of the people around him, he was always interested in going back to England. But I wasn't sure that Villa was the the best club for him to go back to, which looks like I've been I was wrong about that. Greg, what did you think? I couldn't believe that Villa could attract a, a manager of that caliber at that point. To be honest, I thought, wow, this is a, a you know huge upgrade a manager who is coming in and you, you haven't really got to worry about him because you know that he's going to get results. So it was a bit of a surprise for me. And Art? 
<laughs> I had a bit of intrigue, I guess you'd call it, because uh, yeah, when you look at the the teams he's managed before, they're all European heavy hitters, really. Uh, Arsenal, Sevilla, Valencia, and Paris Saint Germain. So, I think you're you've probably seen his aim. Obviously, is to get into Europe again uh, with Villa, but. At the time of the appointment, yeah, I was more intrigued than anything because I wasn't expecting it. How much do you think we view him, first of all, uh, by what happened at Arsenal? Because we can we can be incredibly insular, can't we, as a football <laughs> community? So, oh, I didn't go well at Arsenal. Why would you go for him? I think a lot of maybe social media probably still view him that way, just because of how almost dominant he became as a personality. When you look at Villarreal against Arsenal in the Europa League, he's already kind of proven he's past that time in his career now. Uh, He was able to get past both Arsenal and Manchester United to win the Europa League with Villarreal. And I think as a coach, he was always very well respected, especially as a person as well. I'd say that because whenever you were around him, you got a sense of someone who was not just polite for the sake of being polite, but someone who actually wanted to build a bit of a connection. Yeah, it's nice to see that nice things are finally happening for him in England. Dermot, they must laugh in Spain at the the general English impression of Emery before he went to Villa. He does have a, a kind of unusual reputation in Spain as somebody who's who's excellent at a club like Sevilla or Valencia or Villarreal. And because he's so meticulous, he, he plans so much, he, he can get his ideas across to to maybe uh, not the very top players. But he's also kind of seen as somebody who's a little bit of an eccentric character. Like he used to wear that jacket with the the elbow patches. I'm not sure if he, he still does or not. And he'd always be gesticulating on the, on the sideline. So even as he was you know, coming up as a manager, I guess, at Valencia when he was doing really well. That was the kind of impression that people had of him as this, like, super energetic, super fast talker guy who um, was, yeah, an eccentric. But then when he went to to Paris Saint-Germain and maybe a little bit at Arsenal, that getting across his ideas, you know, not all the, the very top players wanted to be micromanaged the way that, that Emery likes to do. The stuff about good evening and all that, you know, didn't translate. Spanish people don't know that much about it, I guess. But they, they mightn't be that surprised. They like him, but they can also kind of smile a little bit at, at some of his antics. I, I mean, I have to say, in my dealings with him, he is an incredibly likable man, uh, I think. Just a, a courteous, polite, interesting, likable. I mean, you, you had a long interview with him, didn't you? You went to the training ground when he was at Villarreal. So how did you find him? Super welcoming. Villarreal is like it's a... They've punched above their weight, like amazingly, but it's a very small club, so you can get off the... Got off the train in Villarreal, which is not a not a big town, and you walk straight up to the training ground, walk straight in <laughs> that town, looked around, tried to tried to, uh, to to find somebody to talk to, training was going on, and then afterwards came down, sat down in a little bar that's at the back of the the stand in the training ground, and spoke for like ninety minutes or so. He was super open, super. Sometimes when you go to to speak to a manager like that, you know, if the Newcastle thing had happened and Arsenal thing had happened, you know, you, you're kind of. Uh, tentative about broaching some subjects or wondering how you're going to to bring it up but but he almost was getting there before me he had stuff that he wanted to say even at that stage I got the impression that he he was happy to talk about possibly returning to England that you know it was an opportunity to talk to an English audience he, he knew who the Atlantic were he'd done his research his 
He's got good people around him as well, very professional. He was happy to talk to me and it was a super interesting chat and yeah, it, it went well, I think. I mean, the, the first thing to come out of that is how amazing it must be to be the Villarreal correspondent. <laughs> you just walk around, nobody stops you, you in the Spanish sun and you do interviews in a little bar at the back of the trailer car. That sounds absolutely perfect. How have you found him to deal with, Greg? Oh, I'm still stuck on that, uh, covering Villarreal. That sounds like an oh, no. absolute dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, on a serious note, though, he, he's been fantastic. It's just a shame that I can't interact with him in Spanish because he's trying so hard to give really detailed, long answers in English in his press conferences. He wants to explain some of his methods and what he's doing and what his plans are. And I find him really respectful as well because in every broadcast interview, he always answers the first question addressing the supporters. Um, and that's certainly not been lost on the supporters. So he's got he's always got a little pre-message prepared for them. But my dealings with him have been great. You know, he answers all my questions. Um, he goes into a lot of detail. And yeah, as the other guys have said, just a very nice, sort of polite, gentleman type figure. So yeah. Just on uh, Greg's point there in terms of how he speaks and his English as well, I think... So I did the Arsenal-Aston Villa game, sat next to Greg, obviously, uh, this season. And that was the first time I'd been in the same room as Unai Emery for about two and a half years, I'd say. And what really came across to me was, one, obviously, his English was better, which helps. But also, he had a real grasp of the message he was trying to put out there, because at his later point in Arsenal when it did get a bit sticky, there were times where his message would get a little bit lost. So for instance, there were times where he was talking about using Lucas Torreira as a number 10 and people would leave the room kind of bemused by that. But I think just from that one kind of press conference after the Arsenal game, what I saw was someone who was a lot clearer in what they were trying to get across in a second language. What's interesting about that art is he doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that at Arsenal. I mean, there are plenty of managers who come in and use a translator and and sometimes use a translator for both ways. Sometimes use a translator to try and understand the question more, but then try and answer in English or are happy with the question in English, but then want to answer in their own language. He, he doesn't have to do that, which strikes me as a real insight into the determination of the man. And actually, the politeness of mm. the man as well in the respect for the country that you're in and trying. Yeah, he definitely has that and has had that since he was at Arsenal because, yeah, you're right, Mark. He could have just done that from minute one at Arsenal in terms of getting a translator, but you could see him almost progress with each month or each week. And it's quite funny because when he was at Arsenal, he was asked how he's kind of getting to learn English. And he, he mentioned Peaky Blinders. So it's quite um, quite a turnaround that he's in Birmingham now with, yeah. with Aston Villa. <laughs> a key appointment as well at, at Villa alongside Emery is he's, he's sort of personal assistant. Um, he's brought somebody in who can help him out and sits next to him at press conferences. And it, and if there are any questions or words that he doesn't understand, and and these are few and far between now, then his assistant can can help relay that back to him. And I think just having that Spanish speaking 
person alongside him who he can trust has really helped him, not just in press conferences, but you know, in, in the day-to-day running of the club. And that's just given him that little bit more freedom um, and security, I suppose, to go and focus on the things that really matter. Because look, in the grand scheme of things, a press conference is such a small part of the, of the working week. And uh, given how dedicated and intense he is around training and planning and organising um, the games and weeks ahead, an hour a week in a press conference is just so small. But th- that just shows how dedicated, as Art says, um, he is to improving. We'll come on to why he starts so well and why he started well at clubs in Spain before. But I-, I wonder whether one of the reasons why he started well at Villa, and you mentioned that first answer in any interview or press conferences aimed at the fans, is the connection he has got with the Villa fans already. I mean, I've got a couple of mates who are Villa fans. They keep sending me screen grabs of Emery's Instagram or Villa's Instagram, you know, and Emery stood in the dark at Villa Park with the ground lit by <laughs> floodlights and it, you know, like being something from Wuthering Heights, they're so <laughs> romantic about it. He has, whether that's him, whether, that's, whether it's his people, he has created and developed this connection already yes he's done all of that and 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 the hardest thing to do in football is then go and get results but he's done that from the very start as well and I think that he won Villa supporters and the players over in the very first game because he came in and he'd studied in his Spanish bunker for a couple of weeks looking through all the strengths and weaknesses of the players he knew a lot about the players when he arrived um, and he had a specific game plan for the Man United game, which was his first game in charge. And Villa were brilliant that day. If you remember, it was Cristiano Ronaldo's last ever Premier League game, I think. And Villa just picked Man United apart and, and eventually won the game 2-1. And I think that just that gained some buy-in from the players. Uh, and then supporters obviously enjoyed that. Villa went to Brighton and won the next week. And then what was really crucial, which I think gets overlooked, is the fact that he had the World Cup break to just spend some more time with the players, show them exactly what he wanted them to do, spend more time with individuals and, and explain how they should be working in his system. And then when the when the World Cup obviously finished and, and Villa came back, results picked up then. And yeah, just, just on the supporters, they've, they've bought into his methods straight away. And I think the respect side that he's shown to them has really helped. What does history tell us about why he starts well, Dermot? When a new manager comes into a situation, I think Villa's a good example of it, where... There are some players who are maybe frustrated with their own performances or frustrated with how, how the team is doing. And he is such a meticulous planner and he's such a good communicator as well that he sits down with the players and he can give them a plan of what he wants them to do and what he wants the team to do. When it comes off, as Greg is saying there, you know, if you win your first couple of games or if things players can see immediately that if they do what he's telling them to do, that it's going to work out well for them and it's going to work out for the team, it can just kind of take off. You build like quite quickly, as Greg is saying there, you build like a, a connection with the players and a trust there and it tends to to go on and on and on. The, the problem maybe is that like over time, players don't like to be so micromanaged and maybe it, it, it can work great for, for 18 months. And then after that time, maybe players think, well, maybe, you know, it's not all down to Emery. It's actually, you know, because I'm great and now I have my own ideas about what I'm going to do that might be even better. One thing at Villarreal as well, that when he wasn't playing European games, he had more time to, to work on those plans, to work on the training ground. And as Greg's saying about the World Cup, you know, makes total sen- sense to me. When the games are coming thick and fast and when he had games... He, it wasn't so easy for for Real to balance the two competitions. Like they they could they were quite inconsistent in La Liga, um, but then were going and beating Man United in well doing very well against Man United, getting through the group with Man United, and then beating 
uh, Juventus and Bayern in the Champions League. That initial kind of burst of, wow, this guy really knows what, what he's doing and it's really working out, can be, yeah, can kind of propel teams in his first, first while. Do you think one of his skills is actually in the main picking the right club for his skill set in the sense of go to Villarreal, go to Sevilla, Valencia, Aston Villa as well. You've probably got players desperate to be improved, desperate to be taken to the next level. And a manager who will go, if you do what I say, we will have every chance of going to the next level. And maybe where it hasn't worked out, he's been at clubs where players have gone, well, we know everything. We've been successful relatively. Why do we need to stay in a hotel the night before a home match, for example? I'd agree exactly with that. I'm not sure if it's his skill in that he's he's found the right clubs or if it's that's the opportunities that, that have come up for him because he like he jumped at Paris Saint-Germain, as most managers would do, and he, he was super excited about going to Arsenal and he thought Arsenal was going to work out for him. And maybe he still feels very strongly and other people who were at Arsenal at that time as well who I've spoken to that they were heading in the right direction that it was more there was a, so much work to do there to come in and and change the the way of working at the club like after the, after Wenger and you know been there for, for two decades or whatever and the the dressing room had to be changed everything around the the training methods the atmosphere the mindset all of that work had to be done following Wenger was a was a tough job for anybody to have done so I'm not sure if he chose the right time to go to Arsenal, if you know what I mean, that maybe if he'd come in or if somebody else had come in and done the work that he started to do and then he could come in afterwards, it would have been even better timing. But but generally the point is, is definitely true that, that there's a type of club that suits Gunnar Emery specifically re- really, really well. And it is with players who who maybe younger players or players who have feel they have something to prove, players who feel they could be doing better than, than they're doing at the moment and who see an opportunity to win, whether it's a Europa League at, well... Sevilla three times and it was often different players you know because Sevilla would would sell on the players who had who had won the Europa League and then you guys would come in you know Manchi the sporting director there would you know when it when it has paid off for him he's picked up some gems kind of guys who've been struggling elsewhere or younger players with with potential and Emery is the perfect manager for those guys um, and maybe Villa is the, the right or the, a similar situation as well. Yeah I think it's a really good point from Dermot in terms of the young players because if you look at Emery's time at Arsenal he was the guy who gave debuts to Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Bukayo Saka, um, also Gabriel Martinelli as well. But the one that uh, I kind of mentioned to Greg the other week was Alex Awobi, who still kind of remembers him really well, even though they only spent one season together. And yeah, it's just really interesting because you have these little kind of chapters that happen in seasons. And obviously the biggest one people will remember with Emery is the whole Ozil kind of situation, how that started with him being brought off early at Stamford Bridge in the second game of that season and then almost being just on the sidelines for a few months. But yeah, when you're at a club like Arsenal and your approach shifts the dynamics so quickly, it can maybe be a little bit jarring or a bit of a shock to the system uh, at first, whereas we see Mikel Arteta, he's, I wouldn't say he's too dissimilar from Emery in terms of how meticulous he is. No, that that's the thing, Art, isn't it? This, this current Arsenal, this current Arsenal squad would be would be brilliant for Emery yeah. because 
want you, you can t- you can hear it when Arteta mm. talks about them about they want to improve they are part of this process they have been learning you know one of his former captains at Villarreal Costa said you know he, he always said that the important thing was to enjoy the process and the journey and actually this current Arsenal squad are very much enjoying the process and the journey it's just they needed a spell between Wenger and somebody to to get the whole Wenger <laughs> way of doing things out of their system, maybe. Yeah, a little buffer, I guess. Um, yeah, buffer, yeah. Yeah, so I think the main, I guess, difference where I've seen is just in terms of football, there's been a clearer plan. So that's probably why it kind of wobbled a bit for Emery at the end as well. But yeah, in terms of just his skill set and why people at Arsenal were thinking it was going in the right direction, I think there are clear signs why that would be the case. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Do you know what I thought was really interesting after the win over Newcastle, Greg, was, and, and it goes back to this thing about process and, and coaching and the improvement, was Ollie Watkins' post-match interview with, with Match of the Day on just exactly what Emery has done with him to improve him, where, where, where to stand, how not to engage with centre-halves, to maybe not run the channels but to be on the shoulder, to give instructions to the rest of the team to look for Ollie where, wherever he is. I mean, it was a real insight into the the personal touch, actually, of Emery. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Mark, we, we could do a whole podcast on Ollie Watkins because he, his season has been... Well, we'll do that next so... week, Greg. Next week. <laughs> That'd be All fun. Right. Please Bye, have me man. on again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, look, I, I go back to the, the World Cup break where Ollie Watkins missed out on the England team and he was in Dubai with, with Villa on the, on the 
mid mid season break. And I sat down with him. I spent some quality time with him. You know, it wasn't just like a a quick Q and A interview. You know, I sat down, had breakfast with him, and and found out a little bit more about him. And he was in a difficult place at that point because he'd scored two goals in fourteen games for Villa in the opening half of the season. He was really disappointed that he missed out on the World Cup because, you know, he'd had that taste of, of being in the England squad. So I asked him, what have you got to do? And he said, well, this manager has been working with me a lot differently to, to other managers. He said to me, stop making those um, unselfish runs in the channel. Stay in the width of the box and we'll make sure that our players provide you with the service. You just listen to what I'm doing and you'll get the service. And that's worked really well since. And he also showed him lots of clips of Carlos Baca, of Patrick, um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and uh, Cavani at PSG. Those were three strikers that Emery had worked with previously and had um, and said that they had uh, fitted into his system really well. So he said, if you look at what they are doing, that's the sort of blueprint for how I want my striker to work. And he scored 11 goals in the last 12 games. <laughs> so it's working. On the personal side with Watkins, it's working. T- tactically, what else has he done with Villa? I mean, I feel like I say this a lot, but I feel feel that, that Villa, not far off since they came back to the Premier League, have always had real promise and good players, but have never seemed to get the square pegs in the square holes. They've never seemed completely and utterly balanced. So what yeah. has he done tactically? Well, this is it. Just one point I'd like to make just before I go on to the tactical side of things is that Villa have had a very good setup now for a couple of years. This is a squad that has been three or four years in the making. Now, I spoke to somebody, well, I spoke to a few people high up at Villa and, and they all say the same thing about Emery. He's world class, he's elite, he's a genius, but he cannot do this with just any group of players. You know, they are a talented group of players that have been put together over a couple of years now. And they've just needed a manager to pull the best out of them. So I think the key with Emery is that he just does something different every single week and it's incredible because there's no European football and there's no midweek fixture to worry about. He's got so much time to prepare weekend day to weekend day that he have a that he has a specific plan for each game and just at the Newcastle game last week for example he mixed it up slightly by instead of passing it between the defenders and um, finding space through the midfield in that way he asked Emmy Martinez the goalkeeper to start playing it a little bit longer and that confused Newcastle their high press was basically vacant and then Villa uh, found the space from there so there's a different plan every week so again I'd probably need another podcast for that <laughs> <laughs> the other quite interesting thing there from, from Greg Dermot is he might not necessarily be able to do it with any set of players so how players are recruited for him or even with him as a as part of the process is obviously Important as far as his Spanish clubs, I mean, Sevilla's the prime example, isn't it? Derma of of how they maximized the transfer market and yet never really affected his his squad. So he needs the hierarchy above him for sure. At well, at Valencia, he was a kind of younger manager, and Valencia was sold a lot of players at that stage as well. You know, he got rid of well, got rid of had to sell on David Silva and Juan Mata and Jordi Alba and people like that were all there and and left. So he had very good players. In an excellent squad at, at Valencia, which started to to disappear right from under him and see where Valencia are now. At Sevilla, he was excellent at that, working very closely with Monchi and Monchi and his team were able to pick the, the players that would suit. He does like to play a controlling type of possession type football to, to hold the ball, to, to be able to, 
he doesn't like or hasn't liked anyway in in Spain to have games that are too helter skelter. Like he likes he's a, a control type of a of a manager. And then at Villarreal, there was a feeling, and from talking to other people, that he wanted to go in as more of an English style manager. That Villarreal had a sporting director, but he didn't have the same amount of power as, as Monchi. And the, the president there and the president's son, they're all. It's a small club again, and they're all very involved in the decision making. And he got a lot of power and. and a lot of players came in from the Premier League, guys that he would have known from when he was at Arsenal. And he, they wanted that type of kind of physical player as well, or somebody with, with experience of England to come into to Villarreal. And he was very kind of involved in in choosing those players and in um, the, the, maybe not the exact name of the player, but the type of player that, that they wanted. I'm not sure at Villa how much power he would have, because as Greg's saying there, it seems like there's a really good kind of setup, scouting network, sporting director. It's all much more organised maybe than than English clubs used to be. It sounds very aligned at Villa, Craig. It is, yes. I mean, look, Emery will have more power in terms of uh, who he brings in in, in in this next transfer window. You know, he has got the keys to the car because he's got so much credit in the bank because of the performances and, and results that Villa have put in. But there is a very good working system behind the scenes at Villa. You know, they've got an exceptional youth department, a really good loan programme that's working well. They're bringing through players that will hopefully be ready for the first team in the next sort of 12 to 18 months and they've got a very good squad on with players on long-term contracts at a good age um, a well-respected sporting director a good head of recruitment a, a very strong scouting network so all the positions are in place already for for Emery to just come in and coach but I think he will have a big say in transfers um, over the summer. Which again is another difference at Arsenal now to when he was there, Art. And, and arguably as well, I mean, God knows how Paris Saint-Germain recru- have recruited over, well, we know roughly uh, there's a big name, let's try and bring them in. But, you know, the, the two clubs where people would always have question marks over him didn't have, didn't have that structure at the time. No, I think Arsenal at that point was still trying to find that structure. And you see even after Emery left, they didn't just stumble onto it. It took them a while because I think about a year into Mikel Arteta's time as head coach, he got changed to manager and the whole hierarchy had shifted. It's taken Arsenal a while, even after Emery, to sort that out. And I think you really need to be on the same page if you are in that head coach role because it's almost, yes, your your job's very grass, football pitch oriented, but if you're you're dealing with, I guess, a club that's in transition, which Arsenal were, it just becomes so much more difficult. And I think just on a point Greg made earlier, which I thought was really interesting in terms of his planning for opposition. So before the Newcastle game, for instance, I think that was something at Arsenal where, yes, he was planning for oppositions, but maybe too much for a club the size of Arsenal, which maybe then led to ideas becoming more confused in his second season, which I think we've seen, I guess, the difference between that and Arteta is Arteta almost does plan A to the extreme and then plan B is there as almost the last resort. So it's quite interesting to see how almost different strokes have worked at different clubs for for Emery. Just when talking about Newcastle there, remember what, when I was asking... Emery about why he turned it down. It did seem to be a lot about the just the timing that he would have gone there and he saw it as a great opportunity. But it, it seems like a, Villa is a much better place for him for the type of manager that he is and for his personality because 
for all Newcastle talk about doing things the right way and how you know things they do seem to have built, you know, signed quite well. If they're in the Champions League next year, I can imagine them spending a lot of money and you know stars coming in and different people at the club having different ideas about what type of player they would like to to sign. Whereas Villa seems much more organised for him, a, be- a better fit. Um, so he may have it may have just worked out well for him in the the fact that timing wasn't right to go to Newcastle because if he had it gone. You could see it working out well for a while, but then problems coming quite quickly. Two questions to finish with. One could be perceived as a negative uh, and one uh, a positive. So we don't, I, I don't want to wipe the smile off Greg's face at the very end. So we'll do the negative first and then we'll, and then we'll finish with the positive. We talked about his methods, Dermot. We talked about how intense they can be and, you know, the hotels and staff dinners and you know this is what you do and follow me and we'll get to a certain level after a time do those methods become exhausting and therefore people have to move on i think that they have done in the past one thing even from what art was saying there as well about how his communication maybe has has improved from from his time at arsenal that he is he's obviously super intelligent guy and he learns so he will have those experiences at paris saint-germain at a, and at a arsenal and will will have worked out, you know, what, what has worked before and, and whatnot, and maybe be able to to soften things a bit or to, to come up with a way to, to keep the control that he wants, but not to be too overbearing w- with the players. He should have learned from his experiences in the past and, and it should work out well. It feels very negative, Chappers. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, 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 no. The, posi- the positive is coming here, Greg. The positive is coming and it's all yours. What is the short-term plan? And what do you think are the long-term hopes? Villa have won 12 games out of 18 under Emery, which is incredible. They were three points off the bottom when he arrived. So first and foremost, whatever he has done is has been fantastic with this set of players. Now, I think if we're going to look at that negative side of things that, that this manager comes into clubs, he has this real good bounce. He lost one game in 30 at Villarreal. He also went on a 22-game unbeaten run at Arsenal. And OK, things might have tailed off after that. But if that does happen at Aston Villa, then the club are hoping that they are then established in the sort of top seven, eight positions, which they haven't been for 12, 13 seasons now. And if they do have to move Emery on by that point, they're already in that top half of the Premier League and they can rebuild from there anyway. But I still feel like that's too negative because <laughs> <laughs> I think that he's just had such an, in, such an incredible start to, the sea, um, to his time here that... I'm, I'm hoping that they can keep on from here under him. Right. I mean, if you want to go as positive as possible, they sneak into the Champions League in fourth place and then what, <laughs> win it win it next season. Is that the best positive? Let's leave it on that note. Look at the smiles. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Derma, Art, Greg, thank you uh, very much. All you have to do uh, to read all these articles on, uh, on Emery and Villa, which are up on The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash football pod and you can get our uh, special offer at the moment of £1.99 a month for 12 months. Thanks for listening. Keep smiling, Greg. <laughs> Will do. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.